Well, it's good to be back tonight, and this is our final night of the service. And I asked myself, where did the time go? Where did the time go? I want to take just a few minutes before we get started. I want to thank your pastor, uh, Brother Bloom, and his dear wife for their hospitality and for putting us up in a great, uh, great uh, uh, hotel room. And uh, we have enjoyed that. I want to thank your staff. Uh, the ones, uh, they carried us out to lunch all week, and the church, you, uh, you're just a great group of people. You've been very, very just appreciative, very complimentary. I want to thank you for that. I want to thank the young people up here. took me a little while to get your hearts loose and to get you stirred, but today you poured it all out. Some of you came to the altar and got some things right with God. You don't know how that blessed my heart. The ones of you that received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't know how that blessed my heart. Because that's what it was all about. And I want to thank you. And I want to thank your pastor uh, for the invitation. Pray that I haven't disappointed anyone. Because all I spoke of, of, of thus says the Lord. What God gave me to speak. Tonight I will try to do the same. Uh, as we close out the meeting. Let me ask you to take your Bibles. If you have your Bibles tonight. Turn to Amos chapter number 4. The book of Amos chapter number 4. The book of Amos, chapter number 4. God here in the book of Amos is dealing with the nation of Israel. Uh, the nation of Israel had, such, had backslidden on God. They had sinned. They had transgressed against God. They had a, a, just a terrible, a terrible uh, testimony before God. As a matter of fact, in verse 1, uh, he calls them kinds or cows. And so forth, you know, uh, the cows of Bashan, and, uh, which was a brutish uh, a bunch of cows, and uh, they were just merciless. And uh, God uh, reckoned them to that. He told them even that the sacrifices and things that they offered to him were tarnished. Uh, he also tells them in verse number two, he said, I'm, when the day is going to come that I'm going to just grab a hold of you with hooks and your prosperity with, with fish hooks and so forth and just carry you uh, out of here. As you know, Israel was the apple of God's eye. Israel was God's chosen people. He chose the nation of Israel uh, through the loins of Abraham. And, uh, you know, they were just the apple of his eye. But through sinning and transgression over and over and over, God set them aside and he turned his attention to the Gentiles. And that's you and I. And I'm glad that he did. I'm not glad that he set Israel aside, but I'm glad that he turned his attention to us. He didn't call us his chosen people. He called us his chaste people to Jesus Christ. He called us the church. And uh, what, but what, I, I saw, what I see in the Bible is what God said to Israel, his chosen people in practice. He's also saying to the, uh, the church in principle. And so this Bible church is very much for you and I, just like it was for the nation of Israel. But the thing that I like about my God... Before he does anything, he warns, and he warns, and he warns. And you'll see tonight in the book of Amos that he warned, and he warned, and not only did he warn, but he will remind the nation of Israel how he warned them, how he dealt with them. And tonight as we look at how God dealt with the nation of Israel, I want each one of us, whether you're saved or lost, to notice how God has dealt with you, how God has dealt with America. Start reading with me if you would, or you, uh, I'll read and you follow along with me if you would. In verse number 6, and uh, uh, the Lord said, And I also have given, uh, given you 
cleanliness of teeth in all your cities, and the want of bread in your places, yet have you not returned unto me, says the Lord. And also I have withholden the rain from you. When there were yet three months to the harvest, I caused it to rain on one city, and caused it not to rain upon another, another city. One place was rained upon, and one piece uh, where upon it rained, uh, where upon it rained not withered. So two or three cities wandered into one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Yet have ye not returned unto me, says the Lord. Verse number nine: I have smitten you with blasting and mildew. When your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increase, the palmer worm devoured them. Yet have you not returned unto me, says the Lord. I have sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. Your young men have I slain with the sword. And have taken away your horses and have made the stench of your camps to come up into your nostril. Yet have you not returned unto me, says the Lord. I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And yet... And ye, excuse me, ye were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning, yet have ye not returned unto me, says the Lord. Verse number 12 will be our text verse. Verse number 12. Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I would do this, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Tonight, the title of my message is, for every one of us in this building, prepare to meet thy God. And church, in a congregation this size, I know before I even start to preach that there is someone that's not prepared to meet him. I know that. I also know that there are some who are saved tonight. There are some things going on in your life, and you're not prepared to meet him. But I do know this much. When I was a little boy, I played a game called Ready or Not, Here I Come. And what God is saying here in verse 12, Ready or not, here I come. So tonight we're going to look at uh, what God was telling Amos, uh, was telling the nation of Israel through the prophet Amos, and I want you to see what he's trying to tell you tonight. First thing I saw in verse number 6, God said, I have given you. I have given thee, he told the nation of Israel. He said, I have given you the cleanliness of teeth in all your cities and the want of bread in all your places. Yet have you not returned unto me, says the Lord. When I stop to think about what God was saying to Israel, I often think, I said, what would he be saying to America? What would he be saying to Ocala, Florida? What would he be saying to Centrist Baptist Church? And first thing, when the first thing came to my mind, he said, listen, I have given you a country. I founded this country on religious principle. I established this country on, a, on religious principle. This is one of the greatest countries, if not the greatest country in the world, the greatest nation. The freedoms that we have in this country, freedom to serve God without fear or favor of men, freedom to come tonight and to worship God uh, uh, based on what the word of God say. He has given America some of the best schools. And here's what he said, after all that I've given you, you don't even consider me, yet have you not returned unto me. And when we go to God, even in prayer, we have treated God as nothing but a gimme, gimme, gimme God. The God of this Bible, the God of Israel, the God of heaven is not 
just a gimme God. And well, shame on you if you treat him that way. The God that I serve is a God that should be honored, a God that should be worshipped, a God that should be praised, a God that should be thanks, a God that should be adored. Not just a gimme God. We go to God thanking God owe us something. God doesn't owe us anything. He's already given us more than we deserve. He had already given Israel more than they deserved. Huh? And he said, listen, he said, I've given you, I've given you. Israel got to the place where they just thought God was a gimme God. God said, no, I want you to know something. The more I've given you, the further away from me you've gotten. He said, yet have you not returned unto me. And look what he said in verse, in verse down in verse uh, number 7. He said, also I have withholding, uh, withholding the rain from you. When there were yet three months to the harvest, I caused it to rain upon one city and caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece uh, was rained upon, and the piece whereupon it rained not withered. Verse number 8, so two or three cities wandered into one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. One of the greatest problems in America today, huh? one of the greatest problems in our churches today is ingratitude. We're not thankful. We don't thank God for nothing. Here he was telling Israel, he said, and I knew, and I, but from the context of the story, I know Israel counted on rain. Farmers counts on rain. My grandfather was a farmer. My father was a farmer. And we counted on the rain for our crops. When it didn't rain, our crops withered and so forth. And God said, look, I caused it to rain on one city, but I caused it not to rain on another city. One city withered, one city prospered. He said, but I didn't stop the water completely. He said, I made it so that two or three cities could wander into one city and get what you need to drink and even though I did that for you I didn't leave you completely waterless in a, a drought in a, in a drought stricken country and you were not satisfied and as I look at America as I look at some of the churches as I look at God's people we are not satisfied what more does God have to do to make you satisfied he prepared a place for you in heaven he went to Calvary to keep you out of hell what more does he have to do he said and yet have you not returned unto me? Huh? I'll guarantee you tonight we have some, there's probably some sitting in this building right tonight who have never come to Jesus Christ for salvation. What more does God have to do? He died to keep you out of hell. He, he shed his blood that would wash you, that would cleanse you from all of your sin. He said, and yet have you not returned unto me, says the Lord. He said in verse number 9, Verse number 9, he said, I have smitten you with blasting and mildew when your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increase, the palmer worm devour them. Yet have you not returned unto me, says the Lord. You know what he's saying? Let me try to make it applicable to America. He said when things were going good. He said I allowed you to prosper. And church, I believe every person in this, in this building tonight has prospered in some way. I don't think there's anyone in this church tonight who is worse off than they were 10 years ago. Uh, I know we have gone through recessions. We have gone through, excuse me, I can't get my voice together now. We have gone through recessions. Uh, we have gone through times of interest rates up and down. We have gone through stock market crashes. We have gone through 401s. Uh, uh, being declined. We've gone through people losing jobs, layoffs, business disclosures, gas prices increase, increasing, uh, inflation. We've gone through all of that, but still, you're not worse off than you were 10 years ago. 
God told the nation of Israel, he said, listen, uh, uh, you have not returned unto me. God told uh, Israel here in verse number 9, he said, I send in, I send in among you pestilence, blasting, and so forth, and mildew. He said, here's what God was trying to tell the nation of Israel. I said it so that when things were, were going great, I was able to allow you to increase. I was able to allow you to prosper. I allowed you to prosper to such a degree that you overextended yourself. You ran yourself in indebted because the... Everything was, was free gratis. He said, yet, you have not returned unto me. And church, let me, let me try to sum it up for you. God sometimes allows us to prosper. So sometimes allows us to overextend ourselves. If I'm reading verse number 9 correctly, the nation of Israel had overextended itself. They had gotten to the place where they thought they didn't need God. Hey, look what I have. Look what I have accomplished. Look what I have amassed. And you got yourself in over your head. And then you said, look, I've got to get out of this. I've got to get out of this. So God allowed you to, to plant your crops and your fig trees and your olive trees and so forth. And you came to the place. You said, this is my year. This is my year. I'm going to get out of indebtedness. I'm going to get out of this. And and God said, oh, are you? He said, are you? So what did he do? He sent in the palmer worm. And the palmer worm devoured that crop that was going to get you over the hump. And church, I want you to understand, I don't know what he sent into your life, but I can tell you something. He stopped you dead in your tracks. Why? Because you were taking God for granted. You were taking God's blessings for granted. And God said, that's what Israel was doing. He said, the, the palmer worm came in and devoured your crop. Huh? He said, and even then, and even then, yet have you not returned unto me, says the Lord. God said, what more do I have to do for you? But he didn't stop there. He didn't stop there. Verse number 10. Huh? He said, I have sent among you pestilence after the man of Egypt. Whenever you see the word Egypt in the Bible, Egypt is always a picture of the world. Always a picture or type of the world. So he said, listen to me. He said, I've sent among you the pestilence after the man of Egypt. Your young men have I slain with the sword. And have taken away your horses. And have made the stink of your camp to come up into your nostril. You know what I believe God would think? He said, sure that that'll drive them back. Sure that that'll cause them to come back. But church, America is not the religious nation that it was. Many churches are not what they used to be. You say, what was God saying about Israel? Huh? God said, uh, I've caused the stench of your camp to come up into your nostril. What have God done in America? What have God done in America? And church, we are still not that nation that God is saying, if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray. We are still not that nation. What has God done to America? He just sent in a whole bunch of diseases. The same one that outside in the world. You don't hear a whole lot about it tonight, a whole lot about it today, but HIV is still out there. AIDS are still out there. Now we got the opioids. They're out there. We have kids and things. We have people hooked on opioids and so forth. We have illegal drugs and things still out there in the streets. Some's coming across the border and so forth. Some the wall, uh, we want a wall to keep out, but they're still coming into the country. Uh, he said, I took away your horses. And when I think of horses, I think of a transportation. What's happened to the gas prices? I don't know about down here in Florida, but in Maryland, they're up and down, up and down, up and down. One minute you can afford them. One minute you got to hope that the price come back down. 
and so forth. If we have gang activity, he's talking about the stench of our nose, so we have gangs. I thought this country had eradicated gangs. We still have them uh, in our country. We have uh, an explosion in our country, and I hope I don't get you in trouble, uh, Brother Bloom, but I got to say it anyway. There's an explosion that have taken place in America, that LGBTQG, whatever they call it, that thing have exploded. It is everywhere. Everywhere. And the country has accepted it. I'm talking about a religious nation. I'm talking about a a thing. Uh, Listen, if the Bible condemns something, it's wrong. Huh? I don't care what society says. I don't care what the politicians say. If my Bible, my, my Bible is the foundation of everything that I believe, and if God says it's wrong, it is wrong, and Pastor Titus is one pastor that'll stand up and preach against it, everybody else might cowtail and say it's okay, but I don't think it's okay because my God doesn't think it's okay. Huh? It has exploded. And you know something? We shouldn't be surprised by it. Paul talked about it in 2 Timothy chapter 3. For a long time, Brother Bloom, I thought he was telling what was going to happen outside the walls of the church. Paul was talking about what was going to happen inside the church. huh? He was talking about what was going to come in. And I want you to know something tonight inside the church. Everything that Paul talked about has infiltrated many of the churches. I pray to God that it won't happen here. Huh? I pray to God if my mouth stays as big as it is and the word of God stays as plain as it is, I can almost guarantee you it's not going to happen in Maryland. And if it does, if it happens in Maryland, it's going to be a fight on. It's going to be on. Huh? Love the people, but don't like the sin. Huh? I'm going to preach on the sin. I'm going to love the people, but I'm going to preach on the sin. Huh? Some people say, preacher, I, 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 listen. Huh? Ellen DeGeneres can come to my church, but if she does, she'll have to come in and get saved or come to want to repent or else she ain't going to stay because my preaching is going to be hard. Huh? My preaching is going to be hard. Brother, I hope I don't hurt your radio station. Huh? Huh? And she ain't the only one that's out there. I just believe what God says. I just stand on what God says. And church, if you are a child of God, you're going to have to stand on what God says. Let God be true and every man a liar. God said, I've sent it in among you. He said, I've had to, uh, verse number 11, he said, also, I had to overthrow some of you. Look at verse 11. I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And ye were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning. Yet have ye not returned unto me. Huh? I wonder how God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. I read, this, I read the chapter. He rained down fine brimstone from heaven. Hmm? He just wiped out a whole group of people, a whole city of people, and so forth. Uh, you said, why? I want you to understand something. He's doing a great job in America, too. He's doing a great job in America. Oh, he hasn't wiped out a whole city yet. But I tell you, I think a few months ago, you guys had someone down here with a with a, one of those rapid-fire rifles that went in some places and shot up a whole bunch of people senselessly. Huh? It's happening in schools. In South Carolina, it happened in churches. Huh? In Detroit, it happened out in the street. In California, it happened, so I don't know where it was. Huh? People are dying. Huh? God is just allowing it to happen. He said, I'm overthrowing them. Why is God allowing it? i tell you why. Because we haven't returned to God. Our country has not, has, is no longer a Christian nation. We love to say that on the radio and on the television. Oh, America is a Christian nation. We haven't been a Christian nation in years. 
And if it keeps going the way it's going, other countries are going to have to send missionaries back to America to get us back where we belong. Huh? And we haven't returned to God. Huh? We take God for granted. God owes us something. Huh? He doesn't owe us anything. Huh? He has given us more than we deserve. Huh? Huh? He, he said, I've overthrown some of you. You should preach, are you against the Second Amendment rights? No, I'm not against Second Amendment rights. Huh? I'm in favor of them. But I think there's a lot of senseless killing going on. There's a lot of senselessness going on in America and churches. We're not saying anything about it. They were, they, there was a time in this country when some of the foolishness that we see happening now that we, the church, spoke up against it. I'm old enough to remember that. Some of you are old enough to remember that. And now when things happen, we sit back with our own folk and said, oh, isn't that a shame? And those liberal politicians up in Washington, D.C. are having a field day with it. Huh? They would just love to take that King James Bible you have in your hand and set it afire. They'd like to put it in a shredder. And if we're not careful, they'll do that. We'll do that. God said, and yet have you not returned unto me. So therefore, he goes on down into verse number 12. He said, therefore, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. He said, I want you to prepare to meet your God. I want you to prepare to meet your God. And church, you listen to me. God is not happy according to what he's saying here in Amos chapter 4. And I and I I can all but guarantee you. I can all but guarantee you tonight as we close out this service that there are some people sitting right here right now not ready to meet him. First of all, if you're not saved, you're not ready to meet him. You're not ready to meet him. Last night, Mrs. Titus and I were heading home. We were over here in the, I guess back this way, in the, the Express, the Holiday Inn Express. On our way home, we got right in front of that little Sitco there on 40, that little Sitco. Someone was coming eastbound with, a, with a, a, a pickup truck, I believe, and someone was crossing the road in a wheelchair. And it was dark. The pickup truck didn't see him and hit him, and he slipped out into eternity just like that. When we got through there, there were police cars everywhere. Huh? They had blocked off the lanes so we could not get to the hotel. They had blocked off the lanes on the other side of Sitco. When I drove by, Mrs. Titus said, I said, it's an accident, sweetheart. And she said, where's the other car? I said, I don't see another car. But I saw something lying there in the road. That was the body. Had a blanket over it. I don't know how long it took that car to go from point B to, bam, to hitting that driver, hit that uh, that guy in the wheelchair, or whatever it was in the wheelchair. I don't know whether it was a guy or girl. But just that fast, that individual slipped off into eternity. If he wasn't saved, or she wasn't saved, she went immediately to hell. If she was saved or he was saved, they went immediately to heaven. That body laid in the road, I know, 35, 40 minutes, maybe an hour, because they wanted to reconstruct the accident. But you know something? This Bible been around a long time. Amos chapter 4 and verse 12 has been in the Bible a long time. Prepare to meet God. Huh? Whether they were ready or not, Brother Bloom, I don't know. I don't know. I can only hope that they were. About 18 years ago, Mrs. Titus and I was right here in the state of Florida. We were vacationing. And we happened to be driving on a little country road. 
There was a little church setting off on the, on, the, on the side of the road. It was an independent fundamental Baptist church. And they had a big sign out front just like you have out here. And on that sign, in big letters, it said, Prepare to meet thy God. It was a little two-way tracker road. Traffic went this way and, and some came this way. The pastor was in his study. And he said it was a Friday afternoon. And he said all at once, he heard a boom. And he said he got up from behind his desk. And he went outside. And a conversion van was coming this way. I'm going to say eastern, the highway ran east and west. And a conversion van was heading in the easterly direction. And a small sedan of some type were heading in a westerly direction. Something must have distracted the guy in the van because he drifted across the center line. The big sign that he had in, his, in the front of his church, he said the little small sedan had passed that sign about 25 to 30 yards. He said the, high, the speed limit on that highway was only about 40 miles an hour. And he said when he came out and he looked down the street, he saw that car. The car was mangled. And when the driver hit the van, it ejected her from the car. He said he was one of the second people to arrive there. And he arrived there and there was a young lady lying on the ground, probably in her late 20s or early 30s or mid-30s or whatever. And there was blood oozing out of her mouth. And he said, when the paramedics got there, they said, she's already gone. And he said, Pastor, he said, Preacher, he said, the best, that I can, the best that I can imagine from the time that she saw the words on my church sign, prepare to meet thy God, to the time that she hit that truck was probably about five seconds. Six at the most. He said, that means she had five seconds or maybe six at the most to prepare to meet God. Tonight you are sitting here. I've been preaching almost an hour. Huh? You've had almost an hour to prepare to meet God. Because just like that lady slipped off into eternity, just like that whoever was in the wheelchair last night slipped off into eternity, not one person sitting on the sound of my voice know when you're going to slip off into eternity. But I can tell you one thing, it'll be a whole lot more pleasant if you slip off into eternity and you go up there and meet the Lord Jesus Christ than to meet Him at that great white throne judgment and go to hell. You better prepare to meet Him. Uh, he said, you're going to have to meet me. Uh, uh, I want to meet him up there, uh, 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 Dr. Bloom. Uh, church, I'm looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. Uh, I'm looking for uh, uh, you know, the giver of life, not the doomer of life. Uh, I'm looking, I'm trying to be prepared to meet my God. Pre uh, Brother Titus, are you prepared to meet him? I got that settled back in 1982. I know for a fact, I know for a fact, if this Bible is true, and it is, if there's a God in heaven, and it is, if there's a Christ who died on Calvary and shed, gave his life and shed his blood uh, for my sins, that's true because the Bible says so. My sin issue is settled. Huh? My final destination is settled. I couldn't go to hell if they turned the world upside down. There's not chicken or child that can stop me from going to heaven and so forth. So you say, what are you saying? My, my, my final destination, as far as this Bible is concerned, is already settled, is anchored, is rooted in Jesus Christ. I'm sitting in high places. I'm hid in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. I can say that. I'm ready to meet him. 
What are you? What are you? Oh, pastor, I just believe that it's just a, a bunch of gobbledygook that you came up with. I believe you said that. You believe I said that? Look at verse number 13. Look at verse number 13. I'm going to tell you who said that. Ron Titus didn't say it. Dr. Bloom didn't say it. Huh? Verse number 13. For lo, he that formeth the mountains, created the wind, declares unto man what is, uh, what is his thoughts, that maketh the morning darkness, that treadeth upon the high places of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts is his name. God said it. Ron Titus didn't say it. Brother Bloom didn't say it. Hey, listen, the host of this church didn't say it. That came right out of the mouth of God. He said, prepare to meet thy God. And if you're here tonight, you better start preparing. You better start preparing. You said, why? It's not promised. Tomorrow isn't promised to you. The rest of the night isn't promised to you. The only thing is promised to you is the second that you're in, and you better be hope you make it out of that one. That's all that's promised. Huh? If that individual that got hit last night would have would have said, he said, I was he probably said something like this, you know, I was planning on going to church on Sunday. He won't make it. That young lady in that car was was going to say, I was going to Sunday excuse Sunday school Sunday morning. She didn't make it. And there's others who haven't made it. And there may be some here tonight that won't make it. Are you prepared to meet God? Are you prepared to meet God? Huh? God told Israel, he said, prepare to meet me. Huh? He said, prepare to meet me. He said, I'm coming again. He said, I'm coming again. I said earlier, there will probably be some Christians maybe sitting in this service. I don't know who you are, but you know who you are. But you may not be prepared to meet him. Look at First John. First John chapter two. Look at verse number twenty-eight. God gives us a hint. He said, Now little children abide in him, that when he shall appear. Ye may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. I wonder why a Christian would be ashamed at the Lord Jesus Christ. If he stepped out in that eastern sky right now and he called you, I wonder how many of us would say, Lord, could you give me a few more minutes? I got a couple of things I want to get right. Could you give me just a little more time? Hey, listen, I need to ask someone forgiveness. I need to do this. I need to do this. And Lord, I, I just didn't think you were coming that soon. I didn't think you were going to arrive. I was hoping that you'd wait a couple more days to give me a chance to get some things right. The psalm, the, uh, Amos said, prepare to meet thy God. Be ready for him when he comes. Because church, he could come through that, through that, through that roof right now and said, okay, Christian, let's get about of here. Ready or not, I'm here. He said, prepare to meet thy God. Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you've never received him as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you haven't. But whether you have or have not, when he tells you that your life is over, it's gone. It's gone. And church, let me just say something. There's a lot of teachings that are going around. Some people believe there's a middle ground. Between heaven and hell. Some people believe that. I'm here to tell you tonight, the only middle ground between heaven and hell you're standing on is called earth. It's called earth. When when your heart makes its final beat, when it makes its final beat, 
and your eyes close in death, you're going to open them one of two places. On the other side in heaven with the Lord or in that lake that burning with fine brimstone. That's where you're going. There is no other place. Don't let the devil fool you. Don't let the devil try to tell you that. Don't let the devil try to tell you that. I, some of you are probably sitting here tonight and say, Preacher, I would love to become a Christian, but I can't live it. I don't know whether I can live it or not. I don't know why I can do all that the Bible says. Why don't you stop trying to do what the Bible says and let God help you to do what the Bible says? That's what helps me. Huh? If, I had to, if I had to do it myself to do everything that the Bible says, I would say, Lord, I can't do it. But I'm so glad that God can do it through me. The Holy Spirit of God can help me to walk and talk and, 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 and do exactly what he wants me to do. All I've got to do is let him. Don't sit here tonight and say, I'm not ready to meet God because I can't live the Christian life. It's easy to get saved, but every Christian here can tell you it's hard to live the life. It's hard. Especially if you try to do it on your own or in the energy of your own flesh. Huh? But whether you accept him or not, God said prepare to meet him. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Dr. Bloom, I don't know when it's going to happen and to whom it's going to happen. But trust me, somebody is going to step out into eternity to meet God. Ready or not. Ready or not. Now listen to me tonight as we get ready to close. It's been a long week for you and I'm not going to hold you over time tonight. The kids want to get to pizza. Some of you adults want to get to pizza. Huh? But God wants you to prepare to meet him. God wants you to prepare to meet him. I'm going to ask you to do something. Every head bowed and every eye closed. No.